Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cold dampness that permeates this room, attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with a special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this throwback kind of episode. Yep. Focusing on uh, throwback time. Yeah, it's a throwback Thursday, episode number 1,607. Right next to me is... Janet! I got one name! Janet! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! 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 everybody. <laughs> Hi! Hi there. I'm your host, Patrick Riley. You know what you are. You're bumbling, stupid, incompetent, and useless. And those are your good points. Uh, thank you. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I, I wear that with a badge of honor. Right next to me somebody who has none of those things... She's not useless, uh, not at all. I, matter of fact, I could not do any of these shows if it wasn't for her. She is the the true force behind this show. Oh, everything to her. Even though she just happens to be slightly... She's Here she is. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And welcome to a throwback kind of day. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you love it that it is a Thursday, oh, yeah. right? Thursday is such a crazy, lazy day. Thursday has its own peculiar way of saying hey. Sometimes Thursday almost makes you want to. Oh, it's a perfect lazy day, uh, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thursday, uh, maybe you're like Kimmy. I can already tell she has weekenditis. It's kicking in. Mm-hmm. I can see it in the eyes. Uh, we're here to get you through Thursday or any day of the week. That's right. Brand new episodes every single day. And you can listen to a Thursday show on a Friday or Monday or whatever. You could be crazy. That's kind of a wacky kind of thing to do. Well, you can do that, you know. Like that old uh, game Boggle. Remember that where you put all the dice and things, you just shake it up. Oh, and throw yeah. it. Who knows what's going to come out, so just shake it up and pick a day. Uh, you can do that. We have all those archived episodes all the way back to number one available on our website. Also there, you can find social media links, best way to communicate with us, find out where we will be next, and hint, it's somewhere big. You can find that uh, information first come, first served. It's available on our social media pages. So best thing to friend, follow, and like us on YouTube, uh, you know, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. We can't forget all of those and share it with your friends. It's also a good way to find out uh, when we will be giving away something, things like that. Yes, you can find all those links on our website along with celebrity interviews we've done, pop culture stories. What is our web address? RileyandKimmy.com Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy show at RileyandKimmy.com. I'm Patrick Riley. I'm Kimmy. We're the Riley and Kimmy show. The Riley and Kimmy show. 
we're available for your next event in Florida. Please consider the Riley and Kimmy Show for your pop culture or nostalgia-based events. Art shows. Exhibitions. Festivals. Grand openings. Home and garden shows. Car shows. Collectible shows. Conventions. Animal and pet-related events. Let us promote your event with customized commercials and interviews. Live on-site promotions and podcasts. Please contact us on Facebook Messenger. All communications kept confidential. Pop culture escapism. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That's the big question on this Throwback Thursday. Does Kimmy want to go back in time and challenge her brain cells? Challenge him with a thrilling game of pop culture trivia. What say you, Kimmy? Well, yeah. All right. The timeline may or may not be adjusted, meaning it may be in chronological order or not. It may not be linear. It could be. Regardless, help Kimmy out with answers. Talk to, whisper to, yell at, shout at, whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. And it could be anything. Because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Be sure to share that with your friends. Tell them uh, you can hear a daily show that is a little bit different. That focuses on the world of nostalgia and retro. The Riley and Kimmy Show. First question for you, Kimmy. The year is 1752. This person tests the lightning conductor with his kite flying experiment. Who was brave... The brave person who did that. Benjamin Franklin. You're right. 1752. It was on this date the first Mother's Day observance took place, Kimmy. What year within 10 years? 1940. It was 1908. It happened in West Virginia. The year is 1924. This person is appointed head of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI. He would hold that position for decades. Kimmy, who is the person? The year's 1924. Hoover? That's right, J. Edgar Hoover. Moving somewhere else on the timeline, Kimmy. The year is, well, that's what we're going to ask you. We want a plus or minus of five years on this next uh, question. Once you identify something, a certain comic book character makes his appearance first issue is published on this date we want to know what judges yes okay we'll take decade you tell us the decade that it happened that this character made his appearance he would eventually go to television here is a clue tell us the character who makes his appearance the comic book character on this date dr david banner for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose. Can you tell me the character? That would be the Incredible Hulk. That's correct. What decade did the Hulk make his first appearance? The 50s. It was the 60s, 1962. And what company published the Hulk? Marvel. You're right, Kimmy. Moving to 1968, this person caused a riot at a concert in Chicago. He was the lead singer of this group. Tell me who it is. Who is it, Kimmy? Jim Morrison. That's right. The year is 1974. This song is recorded. 
Tell me the name of the hit. They say they want to bring me in For the killing of a dead For the life of a dead What is the name of that hit? I Shot the Sheriff. Who had that as a hit? Came in the years 1974. Eric Clapton. You're right. We're looking for the year this TV show came to an end. Kimmy, we're giving you a plus or minus of five. First, identify the TV show. Can you tell me the name of that hit? Laverne and Shirley. Yes. What year did it come to an end? Uh, 78? Let's see. i got to do the math. Thank you. Oh, you get it barely with a plus or minus of five. It was 1983. It came to its conclusion. And what network aired Laverne and Shirley? ABC. You're correct. The year's 1985. This group announces their breakup. Tell me who it is. Who is it, Kimmy? The Go-Go's. That's right. They would come back together. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, Kimmy saw them in concert with me uh, here in uh, Orlando. Remember? Mm-hmm. Right. I saw them way back too when they first way back. when they first emerged. How could that be? Were were your were your parents or a relative? Were they one of those that brought like a little kid to a concert? Is that what that was? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. I hope they put some you know earplugs or something in there to help uh, the hearing. Uh, I, okay. Moving to 1986, this song hits number one on the United Kingdom charts. Gimme, tell me the name of the song. Give me 1986. Tell me the name of that song. Rock Me Amadeus. 1985. Austrian rock singer Falco records. Rock Me Amadeus. Moving to another section of trivia. Celebrity and notable weddings. Actress Heather Locklear marries a rock star on this date in history. Who does she marry, Kimmy? Um, she marries, um... Here's your clue. He was part of this group. Who does Heather Locklear marry? 1986. Tommy Lee? That's right. The year is 1988 in the United Kingdom. This person's 10th album was released. Some stores refused to sell the album due to the nude portrait that was on the cover. Now, one of the singles from that album did extremely well. Identify the recording artist and bonus points if you can tell us that naughty album cover. If you can tell me the name of the the title of the album. Bonus points if you can do that. Here's your clue. Who is the artist, Kimmy? Prince. And can you tell me the name of the album by chance? It's his 10th album. No. That was Love Sexy. A movie 
Well, a disaster film was released on this date, written by Michael Crichton. If you can tell me the two stars, that's a, that's a bonus. But first, identify the movie, Kimmy. Here is your clue. There is a mystery. Elusive. Unpredictable. Violent. It terrifies most scientists. But for a new breed, the challenge is saving lives. The research is deadly. The laboratory is nature itself. Can you tell me the name of the movie by chance? Jurassic Park? No, Kimmy. The year is 1996. It's about a certain type of storm. Can you do it? Um. They used to have a ride. Or Twister. Yeah, I was going to say out of one of the theme parks. Can you tell me who the stars of Twister were? Helen Hunt. Yes. And um, um, can't think of his name. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. 2003, this person was given an honorary doctorate degree in music by Berkeley College of Music. Lead singer for this group. Tell me who it is. Can you do it, Kimmy? That's uh, That would be Steven Tyler. You're right. The year's 2005. Actress and model Heidi Klum marries a singer. Can you tell me who she marries? Seal. Moving to another section of trivia. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Kimmy, this person is uh, actually in the notorious column. Yeah, uh, criminal and thing like that. Okay. Born 1838. Stage actor known for assassinating President Lincoln. Who is it? Who was born on this date? James Wilkes Booth. What was the name again? James Wilkes Booth. It's John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth. Yes, okay. Mr. Booth. Uh, Yes, it was Mr. Booth. Next person, 1899, an actor, singer, dancer, widely regarded as one of the most influential dancers in history of film and TV. He was named by the American Film Institute as the fifth greatest male star of classic Hollywood cinema in 100 years, 100 stars. You know him for 1981 film, Ghost Story. He played Ricky. But you probably really know him for this, Kimmy. 1970, he narrated a piece of animation. Poor misguided folks. They missed the whole point. Lots of unhappiness? Maybe so. But doesn't Santa take a little bit of that unhappiness away? Doesn't a smile on Christmas morning scratch out a tear cried on a Saturday? Not much, maybe. But what would happen if we all tried to be like Santa and learned to give as only he can give of ourselves, our talents, our love, and our hearts? Maybe if we could all learn Santa's beautiful lesson. Maybe there would finally be peace on earth and goodwill toward man. Hey, it's getting late, and I've got these letters to deliver. Who was born 1899, Kimmy? Fred Astaire. That's correct. Tell me why this person is on the famous list. His name, David O. Selznick. Um, singer. No, Kimmy, he was a producer of producer of films. He did Gone with the Wind in 1939, Rebecca in 1940, and many others. Next individual, Kimmy, an actress 
born on this date, 1922. Tell me who it is. Well, I was in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd just come and visit Rhoda on the night before she and her husband take off for their first trip since the honeymoon. <laughs> no, no, before we get into this now, I want to tell you that I think this is a terrific thing you're doing. I think it's really swell you're taking this trip. So, I brought you and Joe a little something to, uh, help rekindle. No, no, no. There is no bad news. There is no bad news. We have problems. We solve them. We carry on. Now, what is this little problem that you have? Known for the Mary Tyler Moore show, Rhoda, and also she played on Macmillan and Wife as the housekeeper. Can you tell me who was born on this date? Nancy Walker. You're right, Kimmy. She passed away in 1992 at the age of 69. Next person born 1934, an announcer known for television on camera and off camera, also known for animation. He was the voice, the original voice of Space Ghost. Space Ghost here. Go ahead, Jan. Jace is in trouble on Jupiter over Crater Area 3. I'll pick you up in three minutes. Sounds bad. There's the crater area up ahead. Keep your fingers crossed. And look, over there behind it, a flare. And another flare. That's Jace's I'm OK signal. Kimmy just sent up a flare. That's Kimmy's OK signal. OK, Kimmy, tell me who was the voice, the original voice of Space Ghost. Gary Owens. That's right. And he also appeared, or his voice did, on Sesame Street. The H is a nice letter. Isn't it nice and simple? Two lines with a line across the middle. It is the first letter in a word which we use often. The word? Hello? Hello, is Harold there? There's no one here by that name. The word hello begins with an H. Hello? Hello, is Harold there? There's no one here by that name. Hello is a word that we should use politely each time we answer the phone. Hello? Hello, this is Harold. Do I have any calls? And, of course, we can't forget he was the announcer for Laugh-In. Moving on, Kimmy. Recording artist celebrating his 72nd birthday. Tell me who it is. Just then when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs of love. Then when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs of love. Who is celebrating number 72 today? I don't know. Oh, Kimmy, you know that song, especially from the movie Zodiac. We'll give you one more clue. Here is another hit of his. Mellow yellow, quite rightly. They call me Mellow Yellow, quite rightly. They call me Mellow Yellow. Who is it, Kimmy? Domino. What was the name? Domino. Think about that for a second. Here's another hit. Cause I made my mind up, you're going to be mine. I'll tell you right now. Sunshine Superman was a hit for whom, Kimmy? Do you want to change Domino to something else? Donovan? Yes, that's right. He's celebrating his 72nd birthday. Next person born, 1957. 
died at the age of 21. He was part of the Sex Pistols. Tell me who it is. Oh, no. The end is near. And so I face the final curtain. <laughs> you can't. I love the queer. Can you tell me who that is, Kimmy? Sid Vicious? Yeah, you're right. Moving to the next birthday, Kimmy. Tell me how old this person is once you identify who it is. He is the lead singer of this group. Without you. Without you. Who is having a birthday today, Kimmy? Bono. That's correct. How old is he today within five years? Um, 68. He is 10 years one way or the other, Kimmy. Which is 58? Yes, he is 58 today. I see dead people. Celebrities, notables, famous people who passed away on this date in history. We'll give you a clue here, Kimmy. Tell me who it is. Died 1818, an American silversmith and patriot. He alerted the colonial militia to the approaching British forces before the Battle of Lexington and Concord. He dies at the age of 83, 1818. Who is it? Paul Revere. You're right. The year's 1977. This American actress dies at the age of 73. In 1945, she starred in Mildred Pierce. Now, because of that performance, she won the Academy Award for Best Actress. That was her big movie. Her final movie was 1970, Trog. It's my firm belief that Trog is the missing link. And the prime objective of our program will be to gradually pull Trog across the time span, right into the heart of the 20th century. It's our sacred as well as scientific duty to study this creature with complete dedication and search out the truth. Nothing will prevent them. Kimmy, can you tell me who that is who passed away 1977? Joan Crawford. You're right, Kimmy. I think you did a fantastic job on this Throwback Thursday. Thank you. We're going to go back in time. We're going to throw it back with an episode of the Golden Age of Radio. We mentioned just moments ago that Joan Crawford passed away on this date. We have two examples of her golden age of radio work. The first one is 10 years from 1949. It's an excellent story of madness with a surprise ending. So be sure to stick through the whole thing. I guarantee you won't be disappointed with that one. Following that... Uninterrupted is Three Lethal Words from 1951. It is a thriller, suspense-filled episode. It does deal with the, well, I, I guess we should title it a, or call it a psychological thriller. That's Three Lethal Words from 1951. Kicking off our tribute to Joan Crawford, here is 10 years from 1949 on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Everyone is so good to me. I like being here. But some of the others don't, I guess. Do you hear? They scream sometimes like that in the night. Maybe they scream because they remember things. But I remember things, too. Especially when people come out from town to see me. To bring me things. But there's nothing. 
nothing that I want. They can't bring back my sister. My beautiful sister Adele. They came today. And with them they brought back memories of Adele. When we were children. The night that mother died. The night we made the promise. Don't cry anymore, Adele. I'm afraid, Clara. We're alone. We're not alone. But if something happened to you... Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to take care of you. But that's what Mother said. And now she's left us too. But Adele, Mother didn't know that she... She wouldn't have left us if she could have helped us. Promise me you won't die, Clara. And that whatever I do, you'll do. And that... And that you'll never leave me. I promise. And we'll be together always and forever. Always and forever. I promise. And for years I kept that promise. Adele and I were as close as anyone could be. We had few friends, but I didn't mind as long as she was happy. But sometimes I was frightened at the way she clung to me after we were grown. I was afraid of what would happen to her in case anything ever happened to me. <sighs> and then something did happen. I met Douglas Foley. Adele liked him until she realized that I'd fallen in love with him. Then she hated him in a childish, vicious way. He tried to win her over, but it was no good. And then he asked me to marry him. And I said yes. That night, after he'd gone... Adele was waiting for me in my room. Adele? Clara! Douglas told me. Adele, you're so white. You're ill. But you promised me. But Adele, I'm not leaving you. You're going to live with us. No, it won't be the same. You promised always and forever. But we were children, Adele. You promised. We'd be together always and forever. Adele, I... You, you see... Clara! Clara if you marry him... I'll never speak to you again. But we were married. And we believed that Adele would forgive us in time. But she didn't. She refused to see us and letters went unanswered. Then when we learned that my husband's new job was to take us to Europe, our first thought was of Adele. If she would only go with us. But when we drove to her house, she refused even to come to the door. And we were forced to sail without her. My son, Doug, was born in Europe. And I wrote Adele a long letter telling her about him. But the letter was returned unopened. When Doug was just ten, we returned to America. I went directly from the station to Adele's house. She was working in the garden when we drove up. I was shocked at her appearance. Her hair had turned almost white and there was a strange look about her. I sent Doug to the gate to introduce himself. She looked at him in a puzzled manner. Then she saw us sitting in the car. And she turned and walked into the house. The next thing I remember was that day, one month after my return home, when I was put on trial for murder. For my husband's murder. Mrs. Foley? Will you tell us again what happened the night of your husband's murder? My husband was working in the garden all day. 
When it began to grow dark, I called him in. But he insisted that he had something to finish. I called him several times after that. And then I became irritated and I gave up. I had my dinner alone and I went up to my bedroom. Then you do admit that you quarreled with him the night of the murder. We didn't quarrel. I was irritated, but I said nothing to my husband. I see. Your husband's death was caused by a deep, narrow wound in the vicinity of the heart. It is the opinion of this court that the instrument used might have been an ice pick. Mrs. Foley, have you any other ideas as to what might have inflicted this wound? No. Had your husband any enemies, Mrs. Foley? No. And so I was acquitted that day because of insufficient evidence. I thought Adele would come to see me during those awful days, but she didn't. I saw her in the courtroom, but she never looked my way. I believe it was about two months after the trial that my son and his friend Roy went on an all-day hiking trip to the beach. They were late getting back. It was almost dark when I saw Roy coming up the street. He was alone, and he was running. Mrs. Foley! Mrs. Foley! Roy, where's Doug? He's down at the beach, with her. With whom? Your sister. My sister? Oh, for heaven's sake, Roy, will you tell me what this is all about? Well, you see, Mrs. Foley, Doug and I went down to the beach. It seemed that Roy and Doug had forgotten to take along their drinking water. And they hadn't missed it until they'd come to a very deserted strip of the beach. Maybe we can get some water at that little house over there. Funny place for a house, isn't it? Yeah. Come on. Looks like nobody lives here. All the better. And just drink out that faucet in the yard. We won't have to ask nobody. Come on. Sure run down, ain't it? Maybe the faucet isn't working. The garden's all dead. Sure it's working, see? Someone's just plain lazy then. Or maybe no one lives here. Sure they do. There's a mailbox. Maybe there's a name on it. Look. Miss Adele Norris. That's Mom's sister. Yeah? Well, let's drop in and see her. She wouldn't even know who I was. You could tell her, couldn't you? Say, maybe she'd give us some cake or something. No. She's mad at me and Mom. Come on, let's get out of here. Say, Doc. Look at all those dead leaves on the porch. Let's have a look around. No, she might come out. Oh, she can't hurt you, can she? Let's peek in the window. No, Rod. Look, Doug. The place is all upset. It's all dirty and everything. Let's look in the rest of the windows. There's no one around. Here's the kitchen. Hey, look at all the dirty dishes piled up. Say, maybe my aunt's sick. Look. Someone's coming to the window. Oh! What do you want? We wanted to see if you were all right. Go away. Don't you recognize me? No. Are you sick? No. I'm your nephew, Douglas Foley. Go away, whoever you are. I'd like to help you. Go away, I said. Mother wouldn't want me to leave you here like this. Who is your mother? I told you. Don't you remember? She's your sister. I have no sister. My sister died when I was 18. Roy, you go home and get my mother. My aunt's sick. I'll climb through this window, and I'll see if there's anything I can do. You stay out of this house. Doug, let's both go. She doesn't want you here. She's sick. You go for my mother, and hurry. If you come into this house, you'll be sorry. If you... dared. Did you say your name is Douglas Foley? Yes, that's right. Douglas Foley is dead. 
Forever and ever. No, don't you see? The one who died was my... Douglas Foley became between two sisters. And then he died. Yeah, but I'm trying to tell you. My mother and you... But if he isn't dead, then I guess he'll have to die again. That's it. Yes. He'll have to die again. He'll have to die again. He'll have to... Look, you're sick. You need help. I'm sick? Yes. Don't you want me to come in? Yes. Come in. Douglas Foley. You see how clearly I remember things? I remember so well the horror of that moment when Doug's little friend finished telling me how he had left Doug there alone with my sister Adele. And I even remember what Roy said at the end. So I came back to tell you, Mrs. Foley, on account of Doug made me. Now I wish I hadn't left him there with her. I know she's your sister and all, but I saw her face when she came to the window. She looked awful, Mrs. Foley. She looked awful crazy. I followed Roy's directions, and I went by foot north along the ocean. I must have walked a good mile before I came to the house. The front door was standing open. There was a lamp burning on the table. Adele. She lay on the bed. I couldn't see her very clearly by the candlelight. But I could see that she was fully dressed. Her hair was undone and it spilled down over the pillow. For a moment I thought... I thought she was dead. What do you want? Adele. What do you want? It's me, Clara. Where's Douglas? He's dead. Adele! Your husband is dead, I I don't mean my husband. I mean my son. Where is he? He was murdered with a long shot. Be still! You don't know what you're saying. Where is my son? I haven't seen him. You have? He was here, I know that. I haven't seen him. Yes, you have. Try and remember. Where is he? I don't know. Yes, you do know. What have you done to him? Was he your son? Yes, Adele. Please. I hated him. I know. Where is he, Adele? He went away. Where? Where did he go? He went to the village for a doctor. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. How long ago did he leave? I don't remember. Will you stop questioning me? Can't you see that I'm sick? I tell you, he went for a doctor. Why do you come here, Clara? After ten years. I've come to help you. I don't need your help. Adele, did Doug really go for the doctor? You think I'm lying? I don't know. But if he isn't back soon, I'm going for the police. The police? Those fat. I'm so sick, Clara. I know. I'm going to take your things off, Adele. You'll be more comfortable. Then when the doctor comes, if he comes... Don't you touch me! You're sick, Adele. Let me take your things off. No, no! Can't you leave me alone? Leave me alone! How do you know what's good for me after all these years? (laughs) I'm in pain, Clara. 
I have a heavy pain here by my heart. When I'm tightly laced, I can almost bear it. All right. All right, darling. We'll leave it till the doctor comes. Will the doctor help me, Claire? Of course he will. Douglas Foley came between two sisters. Oh, dear. He worked in the garden, bending down low. I'm so tired, Clara. I know. Try and rest, Adele. Close your eyes. He was working in the garden. And I was on my way home. I saw him there, Clara. He looked the same after ten years. Because he had your strength to draw from. But I was alone. I had grown old. And he had stayed young. Young. And then he... And then she seemed to doze off. Her breathing was so labored. And I thought, perhaps she'll rest more easily if I undress her. And I went over to the bed. She was wearing a corset. I reached over and I began to unhook it. She started mumbling something in her sleep. You broke your promise. Always and forever, you had said. But she didn't wake up. Always. And I finally managed to take her corset off. But as... As I went to place it on a chair, I noticed something sticking out of the material. At first, I thought it was a broken stay, but it was round, and one end was sharp. I looked closer. It was a steel knitting needle. A long steel one. And there was rust on it. Or was that brown stain rust? Adele had concealed a knitting needle, and there was proof of what I guess I'd always known, that Adele had murdered my husband. I dropped the needle to the floor. Then something caught my eye. There was a hand sticking out from beneath the bed. It was white and still. It was a child's hand. I fell to my knees. Oh, Doug. Doug. And just as I reached out for him, I... I felt a sharp blow on the back of my head. And I fell unconscious. dreamed. I dreamed that Adele and I were children again, and that she was laughing, and we were playing an old game of ours where we tied each other up with our bathrobe cords, and then we waited for a knight in armor to rescue us. And then I think it was the odor of kerosene that brought me to. The room was filled with it. Oh, my head was pounding. I couldn't seem to focus my eyes. I tried to raise myself to my feet, but I... I... I couldn't seem to move my arms, my legs. Suddenly, I realized why. I was tied with a bathrobe cord. I was a child again. Adele and I were playing our games again. My husband and everything that had happened between Adele and me had been nothing but a bad dream. Oh, a feeling of relief swept over me. And suddenly, I, I heard footsteps... And the door creaked slowly open. And then I knew that what had happened had not been a dream. For Adele stood there in the doorway. Not Adele, the child who would rescue me. But Adele with gray hair, who hadn't spoken to me for all those years. She wore a long dressing gown. She was barefoot. Her long hair streaming about her shoulders. 
And there was a vacant, stupid smile on her face. She carried a bucket in her hand. And the odor of kerosene filled the room. She didn't seem to notice me as she went past me. She threw the liquid from the bucket onto the bed. Adele! No, Adele! But she paid no attention to me as she left the room again. I struggled. I struggled wildly, but it was no use. Oh, I was tied securely. and Then I saw a still figure on the bed. It was Doug. Oh, his face was so white. He was unconscious, and there was a deep gash at the side of his head. And then Adele came back into the room. She had filled that bucket to the brim, and she walked toward the bed again. Clara? Adele, untie me. Untie you? Why? Adele, listen to me. This is your son, Clara. Yes, yes, Adele, untie me. You were looking for him. And he was here all the time. Please, untie me, Adele. I never knew your son. For years, I never knew him. How old is he, Clara? He's only ten. He's just a boy. Adele, you're sick. Untie me and we'll go for a doctor. You want me to be well, Clara? Yes, untie me. Are we friends again, Clara? Yes, we're friends. I want to help you. But I can't forget the ten years, Clara. (gasps) I must wash those years away before we can really be friends oh, again. Oh, Adele, forget those years. Let me help you. Don't tie me. No. We can't forget them, Clara. We must wash them away. That's what I was doing. I was washing away the years. Your husband's gone. Your son is all that remains of him. Then we can be sisters again. You don't know what you're doing. Untie me, Adele. But this isn't water that I have in the sink. No, you, you see, you're sick. It's what I put into the lamps to make them burn. No! Perhaps I could burn away the ears. Oh! Then that would be better. Oh, Much no! Better. No, no, Adele, for the love of heaven, untie me! I could burn away these ears that remain on the bed. No, Adele! Oh, I could do that. With this candle. Then you and I could really be friends again. Like when Mother was alive. We could be sisters again. Always and forever. We're, we're, we're sisters now, Adele. You're lying. We're not sisters. Adele, listen to me. We're, we're children. And you've tied me with this cord. And now you must untie me. Like, like you used to do when you left me too long and I cried. You're lying. We're not sisters and we haven't been for years. And now I'm going to punish you for lying. Just as Mother used to punish us when we were children. Then she started walking unsteadily toward me. A lighted candle in one hand. The bucket in the other. The liquid slopping over her dressing gown as she walked. Clara! Do you remember the time Mother washed out my mouth with soap when she caught me in a fib? That's what I'm going to do to you now. Or perhaps it would be better if I burned you. you that I'll take Doug and we'll go away. You'll never have to see us again. No, Clara. And she kept moving toward me, holding the lighted candle close to her breast. You mustn't ever lie to me again, Clara. Adele. Adele, you're ill. You don't know what you're doing. Wash away the years. Burn away the years. Oh, suddenly, I saw a 
tiny flicker of flame on her breast. The frilly dressing gown. She had held the candle too close. Her entire dressing gown was a mass of flames that spread swiftly to her hair. In a moment, she was a blazing torch. And the odor of burning filled the room. I could see her face. Surprised and contorted with pain. She turned and looked towards the bed a second, a bucket flaming in her hand. But then she went screaming out the door and towards the sea. Mrs. Foley. Yes? You mustn't scream like that. I wasn't screaming. That was my sister, Adele. Yes, I know. Try not to think about it, Mrs. Foley. You knew my sister was burned to death, didn't you, Mrs. Willard? Oh, she was so very beautiful. Yes, I know. Try and rest. Is there anything I can get you before I go to bed? No, thank you. Well, go to sleep then. I will. Good night. Good night. And pleasant dreams. Was that my sister, Mrs. Willard? No, no, Mrs. Foley. It's one of the others. Oh. They scream because they remember things. Yes. Yes, I suppose they do. Good night. Good night. I remember things, too. I remember. Promise me you'll never leave me, Clara. And that whatever I do, you'll do. I promise. Always and forever. Always and forever. I promise. Thank you, Joan Crawford, for a magnificent performance. Now here again is Miss Crawford. I want to thank Tony Leader and his wonderful cast of actors, especially Lorene Tuttle, who played my sister, for helping me to make my appearance on Suspense so very pleasant. Suspense! And now, with three lethal words and the transcribed performance of Miss Joan Crawford, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. Mr. Lewis, a Miss Winters to see you. Miss Jane Winters. Jane Winters? Jane Winters? Are you sure she said... Philip. Philip, darling. Jane. Oh, Jane, I... I told them downstairs at the desk. I said, you must be mistaken. It can't be Philip Lewis. He's just a story analyst. They said, no, he's head of the studio story department now. And I just couldn't believe it. Because I've always remembered you as just a reader. One who used to make the most devastating criticisms of the scripts I wrote before I... Well, before I got sick. I've been ill, you know. Did you know I've been ill? But everything's all right now. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, uh, sit down, won't you, Jane? Thank you. Oh, I'm exhausted. I've been shopping, shopping, shopping all afternoon. I've been buying supplies for my hobby, you know. I do etchings now. Do you know what's in this bottle? Acid. Nitric acid. Eats away the steel plates, you know. Amazingly powerful. As a matter of fact, that's why I'm here. 
I was buying this, and I got an idea for a story. I'd like to tell it to you if you have a minute. Why, of course, Jane. Oh, uh, <clears throat> Grace, if anyone calls, I'm out. Yes, Mr. Lewis. And uh, uh, tell Johnny Elman... Uh, no, wait a minute. I'll, I'll, I'll write it down for you. Last time I was here, Leo Burns was head of the story department. Oh, he's producing now. Oh? Uh, doing very well at Universal. So many changes. Here, Grace, uh, right away. Yes, so many changes. Ah, cigarette? Thanks. It's been a long time, hasn't it, Philip? Yes. You're, uh, you're looking well, Jane. I'm feeling all right now. I, oh, I don't want to talk about me. I want to tell you this idea. It's all worked out in my mind, except the end. I don't like the end. But, well, anyway, we open in the living room of a rather nice little house in the hills above the strip. I don't know if you were ever in the place I once had up there. Anyway, a place like that. It's around two in the morning, and there's this girl pacing back and forth in this living room. Call her Sally. Sally Summers. She's smoking a cigarette. Quick, nervous puffs. Abruptly, she flips the cigarette into the fireplace, hesitates a moment, and then picks up the phone. Sally's a screenwriter, not a bad person. If you knew her, really knew her, you'd see she's not a bad person. All she wants is a little affection, a little love. That's all she wants. She's a screenwriter, and she's 43 years old, and she's married to an actor, and he's 19 years younger than she is. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and she's all alone. Macombo, is Chris Summers there? Christopher Summers? Uh, one moment, please. I'll see. 43 isn't very old. She's always taken care of herself. Looks ages younger than that. She and Chris have been married almost a year. And her whole life is wrapped up in the boy. And it's been fine till recently. Recently, it... Well, recently, it hasn't been so fine. Hello? Chris, where have you been? I've been worried sick. No, I'm sorry. Mr. Summers isn't here. Not there? Oh, thank you. She's phoned everywhere. She can't find him. It's getting later and later. And there she is in this empty house above the silent sleeping city, and she's ready to scream. And she hears this key in the lock. Oh, you're still up? Chris, where have you been? I just about decided to call the hospitals and the police. Where have you been? I don't know. Here and there. You shouldn't have waited up. But it's almost three. I thought I... Oh, I didn't know what to think. I said to myself, was he in an accident at the studio? But I phoned and they said, no, you'd checked out when they finished shooting at six. And... I, I've been driving around. I drove out to the beach and then I went for a walk. Have you eaten, darling? Would you like something to eat? Or maybe a drink? Don't fuss over me, Sally. That's all I ask. Please don't fuss over me like a... Like a mother hen. I like to fuss over you. Sorry, I... I didn't realize I was doing the mother hen bit. But you might have phoned me. I didn't feel like talking to anybody. Not anybody. Chris, what happened at the studio today? What difference does it make? Tell me. You're letting it all out on me and it's not fair. I have a right to be told. All right, I'll tell you. One of the grips had a valise full of greeting cards he was peddling. Greeting cards for Mother's Day. And Harry Minch was on the set, and you know what a kid a Harry is. And he bought one for his mother, and then he turned to me. I don't want to hear it. You'll hear it anyway. He turned to me, and he said, Chris, these Mother's Day cards are beautiful. I said, I don't want to They're hear beautiful. it. They're beautiful. He said, why don't you send one to Sally? And that's not all. I won't listen. Take your hands away from your ears. Let me go. You're going to listen. Chris. I've been getting these dirty dicks since we first started seeing each other. Last summer. I was doing a scene with Ada Field last summer, and someone asked me if I'd seen Sunset Boulevard, and Ada yelled, seen it? He's living. Oh, 
please. Please, no more. Please. So now you know. Chris, look, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. There's knowing and then there's knowing. Leaving the lot this evening, I ran into Harley Duke and I braced him. How much longer am I going to be kept in small parts? I said, how much longer am I going to play third man in the posse and G-Mom? What's for dinner? He said, how can you be built into love's young dream for the Bobby Soxes while you're married to someone twice your age? Get wise, kid, he said. Get wise. That was seven, eight hours ago. Since then, I've got wise. You what? I'm leaving you. Chris, no. No. Chris, listen to me. It's not a perfect marriage. All right, so it's not a perfect marriage, but it's the only marriage we have, and you try to make it work, for better or worse. That's what he said, for better or worse. I'm leaving. That's what I came back to say. Goodbye, Sam. Chris, no, I love you. You're all I have. That's your problem. I've got my own. Chris, I won't let you. Get out of my way. Chris, I won't let you. Get out of my way. No! Chris! play with a kaleidoscope when you were a kid, Philip? Little doohickey filled with colored beads and stones. You put it to your eye and you see a wonderful pattern. You turn it a bit and you see a new pattern. Same stones, same beads, but now they make a new pattern. Love changes to hate just like that. Sally looks about the room after Chris leaves. Her gaze falls upon a little ceramic dog he bought for her on their honeymoon in Mexico. And suddenly, she seizes it. And the lamps they bought at auctions, at antique shops, one by one in the coffee table, the hot table, the easy chair, the love seats, all the books on the shelf, and strange pictures on the walls. Oh, And in the morning, when her maid comes in... Miss... Miss Summers? I'll destroy him. Miss Summers, honey? I'll destroy him. I'll destroy him. I'll destroy him. Hello? Hello, Dr. Corby's office? I'll destroy him. This Miss Summers' maid. Let me speak to the doctor. I'll destroy him. That's all she says for a long time to come. Just those three words. <laughs> Maybe that ought to be the title. Three lethal words. <laughs> a pun, you know. Now, the next part of the story is... is confused to me. It's, it, it's not clear in my mind at all. There are doctors in it and people whispering to each other and looking at Sally and a long automobile ride ending at a gate. She's taken to an asylum, a large, sprawling place like a, like a country club with guards. And they start to put her together again. They're very kind and patient and good at their jobs. And they put all the pieces in place, all except one. She hides that one from them because there's something she has to do. 
One night, while playing canasta with one of the nurses in her room, she starts to do it. Care to play another hand, Sally? Isn't it time for you to go off duty? Oh, it's another half hour. Deal. Okay. Going to town? Mm-hmm. Got a date? Uh-huh. Square dance. Got a new dress I'm going to wear. Nice? Oh, I'd show it to you, but it's in my valise. My valise is in the car. Change at your sister's house, huh? Uh-huh. Fifteen. Where are you going? To get a hanky. Oh. They're very careful at the asylum. There's nothing you can use as a weapon. But the bureau in your room has three drawers, and you pull out one of the drawers all the way and raise it above your head and get behind the nurse while her back is turned, and she's looking at the cards. And then you carry her to the bed and take off her uniform and put it on yourself and cover her with the blankets. Then down the corridor and down the steps and across the lawn to the parking lot, there's only one bad moment at the gate. But all the men at the gate can see is your white uniform in the dark, and he knows the car, so you just wave to him. And he opens the gate, and you drive through. And once through, you step on the gas, and you're free. Free! Jane. Jane. What? Sit down, Jane. I, uh, got carried away. Uh, Where was I? Uh, Sally was driving away from the asylum. Have a cigarette. She's driving? Oh, yes. Uh, As she drives through the darkness toward Hollywood, she's filled with a terrible eagerness. You see, she knows exactly what she's going to do. She's not going to kill Chris. Oh, no. No, that's too good for him. He's got to be destroyed. But it's no good if he's not alive to appreciate that. He's got to know he's been destroyed and go on knowing it. So she's decided to change that handsome face of his. Turn it into a scarred and pitted monstrosity. Something that will never, never again face a camera, nor attract a woman, nor cease to remind him that once there was a wife named Sally. Who loved him so much. She reaches Hollywood at dawn. Then she abandons the car on a side street and walks and walks until she passes a shop selling artist supplies. Can I help you? Yes, I am. Um, I'm doing some etching, and oh, I... need some plates? Got some fine copper plates. No, just... no, I have enough plates. I'm out of acid, though. What mordants do you have? Let me see. Got some Dutch. Got the iron perchloride. Got the nitric. That's best. I'll take a bottle. I, I don't seem to have it diluted. I'll take it full strength. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I don't suppose I have to warn you to be careful about handling Oh, I'll be very careful. Here you are. Thank you. Doing landscapes? No. No, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm doing a portrait. Portrait of a man. From life. And there she was, out in the street with a bottle in her hand. A bottle just like this one, Philip. She's been a writer, and she's known the joy of creation... But it can't compare to the exaltation she feels now. Now as she goes forth to experience the joy of destruction. I'll destroy him, she says. I'll destroy him. I'll destroy him!
Delight is bringing you Miss Joan Crawford in Three Lethal Words. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Joan Crawford in Elliot Lewis's production of Three Lethal Words. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Sitting here talking to you. It's like old times, isn't it, Chris? Uh, uh, Philip. What? You, you just called me Chris. The name of the young actor in your story. You called me Chris instead of Philip. Philip? Oh, yes, it, it's Philip, isn't it? For a moment, I... Uh, Jane, why don't you put the bottle down on the desk? Why? Well, just put it down on the desk, huh? Why should I? Well, you might accidentally spill some, gesturing with it in your hand, and it does contain a powerful acid. Don't you think I know that? Do you think I'm irresponsible or something? Oh, no, no, of course I don't not. think I care for your attitude, my young friend. What makes you think I can be spoken to like that? What makes you think you can treat me like this, Chris? What makes you think you can get away with it? You listen to me, Chris. Philip, Jane, not Chris. Philip. Chris is the young man in your story. Go on with your story, Jane. Yes, I'm enjoying it. Story? Yes. Uh, Sally Summers had just left the shop with a bottle of nitric acid in her hand. Uh, What did she do then? You really enjoy it, don't you? It is rather good, isn't it? Except the end. I don't like the end. It's not the end I want. I, I, uh, I, 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 that is she, Sally, sets out to locate Chris. She enters a drugstore, goes into a phone booth. Hollywood 95264. Hello. This is Mr. Summers' housekeeper. Is it possible for me to speak to Mr. Summers, Christopher Summers? One moment, please. Hello. Hello? Hello, Mr. Summers is with the Lucifer Laughs Unit. They're shooting out on the back lot today. I can't put you through to them. Get to leave a message. No. It can wait. Thank you. Sure you don't want to come in for a drink, huh? Oh, no, I want to shower first. Chris, is there any word on her? Oh, uh, no. Not worried, are you? Not for myself, no. Well, you don't have to worry about me. Chris... Now go shower. I'll pick you up for dinner. Uh, where are we going tonight? Well, Zelda and Charlie expect us at their place. Chris... Now, don't look so worried. It's all right, I tell you. I'll see you soon, Miss. Hello, Chris. Sally. Long time no see. Well, Sally, I... Sit down, Chris. Sit down. How are you, Sally? I want to look at you. I'd almost forgotten how good-looking you are. You really are, you know. How's the career? The career, how goes it? Oh, all right, I guess. Uh, Sally... Are they starring you? Beginning with this one. Sally... Good. Are you happy? No more dirty dicks? I'm happy, I guess. This the picture of the lucky girl? She's lovely. 
so young. I'm very pleased, Chris. This is just the way I wanted you for the moment. Successful, happy, in love. Sally, I, I want you to know I never meant to play the heavy in your life. I know. Don't think I never felt badly about everything. I know. Words aren't much good, but I want you to know I didn't mean for you to be hurt. I know. And if there's anything I can do for you... There's one thing you can do for me. Just name it. Look at me. Take a good, long look at my face. Why? Because I want it to be the last thing you're ever going to say! That night, back at the asylum, she enjoys the first untroubled night's rest she's had in a long time. No sedatives, no wet packs, nothing. She just sleeps. And after that, she gives them the part of herself that she's kept hidden. And now they have a real chance to make her whole and well again. But it takes time. Two years, three years, four. And one day they tell her she's as well as they can possibly make her and fit to leave. If she avoids strain, avoids shocks, remembers all that she's learned about herself, there's no reason why she cannot go out and make a place for herself in the outside world. One evening, shortly after they tell her that, she finds herself in the reception office, valise packed, waiting for the car that will take her away. Her doctor is with her, saying goodbye, and there's a small radio on one corner playing a waltz. Write to me occasionally. I want to hear from you. I'll keep in touch. And if you ever wish to see me... I won't hesitate. Uh, I think I hear your car coming now, yes. Goodbye, Sally. Goodbye, doctor. Break any rules if I kiss you? After this long friendship, you would be silly. <laughs> Thank you. Now, the moment for which you have all been waiting. The announcement of the winner of this year's Blaisdell Prize. Any chance of your ever winning the Blaisdell Prize? I've been planning to write the great American novel for some time. <laughs> and so, without further ado, our guest of honor and the recipient of this year's Blaisdell Prize for the best American novel. Ready, Sally? Wait a minute. I just want to hear this. Ladies and gentlemen, I take great pride in introducing to you Mr. Christopher Summers. Sally. Thank you. The pathway leading to the literary life is a rocky one, and in my own case, a sunless one. And were it not for my Lisa and her helping hand, I doubt that I should ever have found it. Some years ago, my sight and my career in an entirely different field of endeavor were destroyed. Sally. Nurse, turn it off. Sally. Sally, listen to me. Sally. Sally. But she, she couldn't stop laughing. For all I know, the car that came to fetch her is still waiting. Isn't that funny? Isn't that the funniest thing you've ever heard? I don't know why I'm laughing. Because it's really sad in a way. Really awfully sad in a way. Sit down, Chris. Sit down. Not Chris, Jane. Philip. Philip. I want to look at you. I'd almost forgotten how good-looking you are. You really are, you know. How's the career? The career, how goes it? Jane, Jane, listen to me. I... Are they starring you? I'm not Chris, Jane. I'm Philip. Philip Lewis. Are you happy? 
No more dirty digs? Jane, Jane, I want you to listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. This the picture of the lucky girl? She's lovely. So young. I'm very pleased, Chris. It's just the way I wanted you for this moment. Successful, happy, in love. Jane, sit down. You're not well, Jane. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know. You're sure you understand? I know. I'm your friend. You and I have been friends for a long time and... I know. Jane, let me have that bottle like a good girl. There's one thing you can do for me. Jane, the bottle. Let, let me have it. Jane, don't open it. Look at me. Take a good, long look at my face. Jane. Jane. Because I want it to be the last thing you... I'll take that, Jane. Hmm? Thank you. Now give me the cap. Give it to me, Jane. There we are. Doctor? Yes, it's all right, Jane. I'm here, I'm here. Nobody loves me. Shh. That's all right, Jane. Nobody. In the whole world. Shh. <laughs> Are you all right? I think so. I'm sorry about this. It's the second time in six years she slipped away. Mind if I sit down? I expect you're going into shock. Uh, do you feel cold? She, uh, she wanted to sell me a story. Yes, I know. She writes it down over and over again. Paints it when we give her paints. Why did she come to you? Any idea? Yes, I, I knew her in the old days. Oh? Uh, are you a writer, too? No, I'm head of the story department here. Find stories to make into movies, you know. Oh, well, that must be very interesting work. It has its moments. you enjoyed that golden age of radio production be sure to follow the riley and kimmy show we feature old-time radio shows from time to time we have archived episodes available right now on our website at rileyandkimmy.com some of them have old-time radio episodes on them please tell your friends about the riley and kimmy show help us grow our social media links are available on our website at rileyandkimmy.com that's r-i-l-e-y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.